Handle on the News. Handle on the News! What's your first thought? That's crazy. How could that be? Weren't you angry? I don't remember being angry. I thought it's crazy to fire. Bill Handel. It's uh, Tuesday morning, and good morning, everybody. Yesterday, I'm assuming uh, I wasn't listening yesterday because I was tied up with that, with the uh, sheriffs, California State Sheriffs Association. So uh, you know that I was speaking uh, before the Sheriffs Association. I have to tell you, it, it, what a wonderful group of people. I mean, just seriously great. I mean, we were. Uh, I was stunned at how wonderful it was. I mean, it was. I, I expected to have a nice time. Truly, one of the greatest times. Is uh, just. Really honored to be there. Uh, the color guard sheriffs have their own color guard with a bagpiper who's an officer. And it was just, I mean, tremendous. So I'm sitting around at dinner uh, with the host, uh, Sheriff uh, McMahon of San Bernardino. And he and a couple of other sheriffs from various counties, uh, I brought up aircraft. You know, the different kinds of aircraft. And San Bernardino has a lot because the area is so huge. And uh, so they're all bringing out their cell phones and talking about the, the aircraft that they have. Well, we have, we, we got this from uh department of justice and I got this one from uh, the army and we bought this one and these are our new, uh, and then they're all talking uh, those kinds of conversations. And I said, is this the sheriff's way of, of saying mine is bigger than yours? And they said, absolutely. <laughs> it was Tremendous. Only you. No, nicest, nicest people in the world. And I'd ask Sheriff McMahon, because there's a lot of, uh, you know, when you're talking about Central Valley and various parts of California, there are a lot of very red uh, counties. And I asked Sheriff McMahon, so how many sheriffs am I going to see that have, uh, that are in uh, Stetson's cowboy boots and belt buckles? And he said about half. (laughs) And? Uh, There were about six or eight. And I, I, I'm surprised they carried the uh, just the regular guns that police do, you know, these semi-automatics. And I go, why are they wearing revolvers, like the long gun revolvers? It was it was tremendous. Also, big news this morning, James Comey. I'm going to be interviewing him at 7 o'clock. He'll be here in less than an hour joining us. And uh, that was pretty exciting. That was a nice get. I wasn't expecting James Comey. And Alex called me last night saying, hey, uh, James Comey is coming aboard at 7 o'clock. So uh, we're going to talk to him, and uh, we have a, a lot to cover for sure. All right, you guys ready to do it? Let's do it. And, well, first, hello. Uh, Jennifer Jones-Lee, Wayne Resnick, Alex, John Ramirez, and good morning, one and all. Here we go, lead story. I certainly do mean that. I'm out on the board. All right, now there's confusion about... Uh, Governor Brown and what uh, the what the National Guard will or will not do, and uh, the Trump administration said thank you for doing what you're going to do, and the governor said this is the this is the only thing we're going to do is support, and uh, now which is what they were asked which is to what do. they were asking. So now, uh, man, I I don't get it uh, where the governor is keeps on saying we're not going to. Uh, we are, uh, what is he not going to do? I, I don't understand that. We're not going to help uh, actually apprehend illegal aliens. Uh, what we will do is uh, fix, maintain vehicles, 
uh, and anything to do with uh, helping illegal aliens. I guess that includes uh, having National Guard push those fruit carts uh, up and down the border. <laughs> no. And sell uh, the, what was that? What, the fruit. Was that the noise of somebody audibly backing away from Bill right now? That was me smacking my head with my papers. I don't think that they're going to be uh, pushing penguino help. carts along the border. So I guess it's that it's that Governor Brown said we will go down there, but this is what we will do. And then for some reason yesterday, the Trump administration said that Governor Brown rejected I know, the yeah. terms I know. of it. And now Brown's saying, no, he didn't reject anything. So I just it is what it is. Just bizarre. It is completely well, Mayor Garcetti, in his State of the City address, said, you know what I'm here to do today? We're here to end homelessness. Well, needless to say, homelessness has become a huge, huge issue. And I'm wondering, is it because the sheer number of homeless people has exploded here in Southern California, Orange County, Los Angeles, uh, the issue of the encampments in Santa Ana? Uh, or is it uh, just uh, it has become sort of flavor of the month politically, where all of a sudden something gets legs and no one really understands what it is. Much like in the news business that we're in, uh, you could have 15 killings in a given day, and all of a sudden one gets legs. Just a little bit of a twist, and now it becomes a national story. For example, at the Starbucks, where you had uh, that uh, black man arrested uh, when he uh, asked to go to the restroom, and... It was, uh, what, six months ago in the first one, and no one, and, and it was videoed, and no one bothered. And all of a sudden now, it's become a big story. You're looking at me, Alex. You were close. What happened was two black men were arrested waiting for their friend. The one with the restroom happened in Torrance, and he wasn't arrested. He was just asked to leave. Don't correct me. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's not your job. Do you think that, that, that was, so anyway, that was basically that, the, the premise yeah, yeah. of the story. Although I want to do more about this because, man, there are two sides to this. Uh, can I use the restroom? You have to buy. Uh, you have to be a customer. No, I just want to use the restroom. Hey, I've been there many times and I want to share it's, it's whose side you're on. And one of the sides is being a customer sitting in there and spending real money. And the other side is being someone who needs a restroom. And the two can conflict very often. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break. Coming up, uh, your chance to win $1,000, brought to you by Cunning Dental. If you have crooked teeth, call Cunning Dental for a free exam, 888-640-SMILE. All right, handle here on a Tuesday. Here's a chance to win some cash. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword bank to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's bank to 200-200. The winner's notified by a phone call, and you have to answer the call to win. Brenda Serrano in San Bernardino did, and she's $1,000 richer. Your next chance to win next hour. All right, uh, we're back. And a quick reminder, at 7 o'clock, uh, you do not want to miss uh, the show. Uh, James Comey is uh, going to uh, be with us. I'm going to interview him for uh, a while. And Oh, uh, Jennifer, so do you think he'd be offended if I called him uh, Jimmy Boy? Um, Maybe. 
Are you I, trying I, to I get mean, him to cancel the interview before he comes on? No, I'm trying to get him just to hang up on me. I've done that before. You know. Where I've had people hang up on me, or and I've hung up on people. I'd err on the side of caution. All right. I'd call him James. Okay. Not even Jimmy? Maybe when you wrap it Slim up. Slim Jim, because he's so he tall. T- yeah. yeah. Tall, slender. All right. Let's do it, guys. More handle on the news. Jennifer, Wayne, and me. Well, uh, the bodies of the Thetopoli family have been found. This is the family that went missing. They're from Valencia. They went missing up north. And uh, witnesses said that a vehicle matching their vehicle had gone into the river, and they had trouble finding it, but they found it. Yeah, river was high. A lot of uh, sediment. A lot of the uh, soil had gone on top of the uh, on top of it. And of course, they were going to find the bodies. And uh, just heartbreaker, heartbreaker. Well, you were talking about all the issues that Starbucks has had the last couple of weeks. The first one with two men arrested in Philly after they wanted to use the bathroom and were told that they had to buy something first and they didn't. So the manager called the cops. Well, as you mentioned, Handel, there was a similar situation in Torrance a few months back. And uh, much the same thing happened, although there wasn't an arrest, I think, back in Torrance. Uh, We're going to do this uh, segment at 750 uh, just for 8 o'clock. That's generally 7.50. And, is, hey, let me tell you, this is why I get paid the big bucks. And uh, we there's a lot to say about this. Matter of fact, uh, Wayne and I were talking about this during the break. There are all sides to this story. and We'll, we'll share that a little bit later on. Uh, we have a little more insight into why police officers up in uh, Sacramento waited so long to try to give medical aid to uh, Stephen Clark. And it's because they thought that he might have been faking and pretending that he was really down and still armed. And we know this because they've released more than new uh, 50 new video right. recordings. And they talked about it. You can hear on the recordings yeah. where they're saying that. Then the issue becomes, is that policy? Uh, is uh, is that fear legitimate? Uh, again, reasonable fear. Although at the sheriff's uh, conference yesterday... Uh, I talked about how the move is to uh, change reasonable to necessary. Uh, you know, uh, there is that it's necessary to use lethal force. And uh, that is, if that actually does get, uh, if that law is actually introduced, it's going to be hugely controversial. So anyway, again, uh, has it happened before? Are they trained to hold on and go up to them uh, and say this, he, he may be, uh, faking it, you know how many times has that happened? It does happen. Yeah. So uh, are are they not to move forward and take those precautions? And I don't know. It's much like uh, the reason I don't go to the beach uh, because people poke me with a stick to see if uh, I'm alive or just sleeping. Yeah, poke, poke, poke. All right, let's just move on. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know it's a wow. Well, yesterday the big headline was. President Trump's personal attorney is going to go to court because he wants access to the files that the FBI got when they raided his home and office. Somehow turns into Michael Cohen has a secret client. I spoke to Sean Hannity. Everybody refuses to call Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity. Nobody okay, there's, Hannity. there's a lot here uh, about nothing. This is much to do about nothing. And uh, a couple of uh, it'll be a slight uh, legal lesson as to when is a client a client. And then also, what does this mean? Also, uh, I don't know why the judge forced the issue and said you she have to tell. She did not. She didn't force anything. Okay, then Michael it's... Cohen's lawyer is the worst lawyer that I have ever seen in he my life. He was the one that volunteered. This it. is what happened. They were fighting to keep Hannity's identity uh, secret. And the judge said, well, 
it it can't be a secret from the prosecutors because it was it, a criminal investigation. It can be a secret from the public at least for a while. So I will take that information under seal from you if you would like. And instead of going okay. He continued to argue for a while, and he got confused, and he didn't realize that he had sort of won. And so later she said, okay, well, what do you want to do? And he said, well, do you want me to write it down and give it to you in a sealed envelope, or do you want me to just say it? And she said, whatever you're comfortable with. And he said, well, it's Sean Hannity in open court with the press, filled with press. And he didn't have to do it, right, we'll and talk. the judge had already given him permission to keep it secret. Uh, we'll talk plenty more about that uh, because... Do you see right now on Fox who's in charge of this story this morning? KFI's own Laura Engel has to do the Sean Hannity story on Fox now. Oh, there's Laura. Awkward. Yeah. yeah. Love you, Laura. Yeah. Sorry you got that one. <laughs> uh, no, actually, that's a good story, but we'll talk more about that later on because there are a couple of rules uh, that are involved and in, uh, in terms of keeping... Uh, the identity of a client secret, which is absolutely appropriate and can be. So that's coming up. Uh, oh, we've got a lot to cover. That's at 9 o'clock. And we'll have Wayne join us because there are a lot of federal rules involved in this one. All right, take a break. We'll come back. Uh, there. All right, handle here. We're back. And yes, I did spill. I, and yes, this is my unspillable cup, too. You have managed to spill from the unspillable mug yes. several times. I don't get that. Which means you really should be taken to a secret government facility and studied like that guy in Legion. Because uh, yeah. you have these powers nice. to overcome physics. Yeah, that's so true. All right. Oh, coming up 7 o'clock. You do not want to miss it. James Comey uh, is joining us. I think right at 7.05, uh, we're going to have uh, Mr. Comey aboard and to talk about one or two things. His favorite breakfast, for example. Do you like your bacon really crispy? Oh, no. Well, I'll come up with You can ask him what he's binge-watching on Netflix? Uh, I might. You guys can compare notes? Yeah, I, I might. Well, I want to do an interview that other people don't ask the questions. The really hard-hitting stuff that Absolutely. they're not getting him on. Yeah, does anybody... I, I kind of want to know whether he likes his bacon crispy or not. Well, he talked about how he drank red wine in a paper cup. All right, see? All right, let's do it. More handle on the news. Jennifer Jones, Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Uh, a law firm in West Virginia did a great job on behalf of their clients, and now uh, they're having trouble getting their clients to believe them. This is hilarious. Yeah, Bailey and Glasser. I know, I know. Uh, by the way, Brian Glazer, one of the guys who worked on this case. And... Uh, they got a big verdict against the Dish Network for unauthorized marketing costs. Right. Making phone calls. Making phone calls you're not supposed, you're to, not make supposed to make. That you're supposed to make. And $61 million. Right. Now, they sent out the paperwork, but only 8% of the eligible people responded. So they actually started picking up the phones. Right. And people would hang up on well, yeah, them and not believe it at all. Yeah, and think it was a, a crank call. It's a marketing call sure. about marketing calls. It's fantastic, isn't it? It's so funny. And it's actually one of those cases where people are up for a decent amount of money, $2,400 yeah. to $30,000. That's a chunk. You get those things in the mail sometimes where it's like, hey, you're part of a class and it's yeah. settled and you're going to get 17 cents. Yeah. And I just toss it. Yeah. Uh, but this one it. is, and I get calls. I've, I'm on some list, some reason, somehow, of people that do remodels, painters, and I get, uh, I obviously have an unlisted phone number. 
And I have it on that number. That's constantly, sometimes two, three times a night. And we just say, hey, we're in the construction business. Thank you. And they hang up. And it's just brutal, the phone calls I get. But these are call centers. And 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 the list just circulates forever. Once you're on that list, it's forever. And I'm getting called, not from necessarily the same people. It's just everybody who buys lists. Well, 15 months after we heard from Chef Bruno that the Anaheim White House had burned down, turns out it's going to be open for business. And he is going to be on the Today Show this morning. This morning at 8.30, I think. Yep. So we have to record it. And uh, Bruno is, I've been in touch with Bruno. How's he doing? Is he excited? He's very excited. And uh, I'm going to be out there on, I think, the 28th. Uh, is uh, when I'm going out there. I'm very excited about doing that. That's and he still awesome. and he still feeds the kids. That's, he never stopped. He the, never the stopped. Fire at the restaurant the never slowed down. Yeah. Katarina's club. In at fact, all. that's why he's going to be on the Today Show today. Yeah. He had a hundred eight to ten year olds, I think, who were part of the Boys and Girls Club. Already, he's gotten back right. to. He's been serving all along, but I know. he's got Tremendous. he got to serve them in the White House, right? Which is really and he's cool. had and and he has had many of the kids over, even in the restaurant. To celebrate. Now, I I made sure that on the 28th, there aren't going to be any of those kids. I don't want to sit near a bunch of uh, poor kids uh, having dinner. You know what? Come on. I I don't mind giving them money, but, you know, let's get real here for a moment. He's smiling when he's saying that. No, no. Yes, you are. I'm looking at you. All right. Let's move on. Uh, Star of TV's Night Court, Harry Anderson, dead at 65. Wow. He also had that show, Dave's World, yeah. based on Dave Barry's life, and uh, w- played Harry on Cheers, the con man. Loved, loved him. Which I was that too. character was like an extension of the stand-up magic act that Harry Anderson used to do. Um, he had a kind of a grifter persona in his stand-up magic act, and, and just put a him great personality. Now, sixty-five is pretty young to die. Uh, do we know? Uh, and they just yeah. discovered him dead, so he wasn't in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming the uh, he wasn't dying of cancer. Well, nobody no, so knew just, No, I do know actually. So Jason Nathanson just let me know. So it turns out he had pneumonia a few months ago and had a bunch of little mini strokes Got after and the he's pneumonia. He had a big stroke, and he died in his sleep. Got after it. that, which is not a bad way to die, dying in your sleep. Of course not, but still, I know that was yeah. just a shock. 65. That's young. That is young. Hey, congratulations to a local boy. Local boy makes good from Compton. We're talking about Kendrick Lamar. My left stroke just went viral. Right stroke, put the baby Pulitzer Prize. That's no small deal. No. he's First of all, he's the first hip-hop artist to win the Pulitzer's music category. But what's neat is they said that this isn't necessarily for the music per se but it's about the poetry the po- yeah the poetry the and really talking about what life is like right. as an african american right now it much like uh, bob dylan winning the nobel prize for literature yeah man that was enormous now he was a jerk about it uh when cuz he had gotten it on thursday and uh, desert trip was on over the weekend and it was and he wouldn't let anybody even talk about it well he wouldn't talk about anything anyway but uh it was if I had won the Pul- let me tell you, if I'd won the Pulitzer or the Nobel, uh, it that's the entire conversation for a week. Hi, Bill Handel here, KFI. Hey, guess what I just won? Hey, Bill, we'll be right back, and we'll talk about what I just won. That would be it for a week. Do you know how much money they get? 
For a Pulitzer? Yeah. How much money do you think have check no, that comes I, you know, along I with it? I don't know what the Pulitzer is worth. I Any start- guess? Um, couple hundred thousand. Wayne? Nah. If 50,000? Alex? Uh, I'm going to go half a million. John? Uh, Three million. $15,000. That's it. So yeah. it's nothing. Yes. No. So I was the closest at 200. No, no. Wayne was the closest at 50,000. Yeah. Very simple. In the meantime, the Nobel Prize... Uh, is a million, depends on how it's doing, because it is a foundation set up by Alfred Nobel, and it's an investment, so people sure. invest. So it's going at lowest, I think I've seen it, 900 and something, because it's the interest that comes off of it. It's the investment income. And some years it was uh, just a ton more, a million, million and a half. All right, we're going to take a break and come back. Can't wait till 7 o'clock when James Comey comes aboard. Slim Jim, very excited. Uh, KFI. Do you slide on all your nights like this? All right, handle here on a Tuesday morning. I want to remind you, coming up in uh, about 10 minutes, actually about 15, 7.05, uh, James Comey is uh, going to join me. And I've got a couple of questions to ask him, to say the least. All right. I have a feeling by the time you're done interviewing him, you're going to really be looking up to him. Oh, I already am looking up to him. So, you know, I I, I know, and I was going to go there, but you started laughing, and I was going, I, you know, I, that was a softball. <laughs> I was going to pick that up and go with it, and see, you started smiling. All right, let's just move on. Oh, yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, we finish uh, Handle on the News. Jennifer Jones-Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Oh, boy. Thousands of free apps for your child on the Google Play Store are probably violating their online privacy protections. Including bit like Disney's app, Where's My Water, Minion Rush, Duolingo, which is a very popular language learning app. Can you even pick up? a cell phone without turning it on today, assuming you don't turn it on, and they have all your information. It's um, very it's, difficult. I mean, anytime you go on, boom, you're done. But there goes your information. Children are supposed to have special right, protection, protection under uh, COPA, that's Children's right. Online Privacy Protection, and they're saying there's so many of these apps that are violating that sure. law. Well, here's the story just about hackers. Oh, yes. This one I never even <laughs> third of, uh, heard of. I hadn't either. Hackers have come up with all kinds of crazy ways to go through the HVAC systems and, you know, get into a company's background information on its clients or, you know, customers, that sort of thing. But this one sort of takes the cake. Isn't that amazing? Some hackers stole the high roller database of this casino by hacking into the thermometer right in the, in fish the lobby tank. fish tank i know isn't that wild because it was connected to the internet right and uh, before you know it it's any i do a commercial for lifelock and uh, that's a ding incidentally and uh when and one of the things i say is the weakest link that is what controls people stealing your identity look at the weakest link how about a thermometer in your fish tank <laughs> What? It wasn't using 256-bit AES encryption on that fish tank thermometer? I, I guess not, yeah, although not. that's going to start, isn't this, it? Here's the problem with the Internet of Things. The reason that they had an, uh, a Wi-Fi-connected thermometer is because somebody thought it was too much trouble to walk over a few times a day and check a regular thermometer so they could check it from their phone. Well, no. To I'll make s- sure the fish are at the right temperature. Yeah, that's true. I was, I was saying, but you can know if you can go on your phone and figure out what the fish tank temperature is. If you happen to be one of those geeks and you're out uh, out and about, and, oh, what's the temperature of my fish tank? Oh, here you go. And t- and temperatures. I mean, for me, it was always taking your temperature with uh, 
uh, one of uh, Mrs. Paul's fish sticks. That's a miracle. Under the tongue. Yeah, it's a mercury joke. Okay, let's just go on. All right, that's that's really stretching it. That's going too far. All right. Uh, Speaking of high tech, a drug dealer was busted thanks to his fingerprints that police got from a photograph. Now the trucks don't work. They just make. Uh, They were investigating this drug dealer. They catch him, they get his phone, and uh, on his phone. Amongst other things, there's messages like, hey, what do you want to buy? And then there's a photo of a hand with pills in it, basically saying, like, here's what I can sell you. And they can see the enough of the fingerprints to run him through the system and connect him to the drugs. It's kind of scary. Oh, Well, if you wanted to get rid of the drugs, mm-hmm. there's an easier way to do it at drugstores now. Yeah, which I don't understand. I I really don't. It's uh, you, they have those uh, little boxes at the drugstores where you put your used drugs in your expired right. prescriptions. Yeah, yeah, why don't you flush it down the toilet? Uh, there's going to be a, a, a granted. There are going to be a few fish around that are feeling no pain out in the ocean when the opiates fly out. But you know what? It's well, they, don't you that always was use part toilets? of the problem. No, that was part of the problem. Was it was getting into the fish and it was it, like hurting reproduction and all kinds of stuff that that re- legitimately was one of the issues all right uh we are taking a break and we're going to come back uh and after the break james comey will uh join us uh pretty exciting stuff uh, it's uh can't wait I think i have a question or two for james comey well that's coming up kfi am 640 <laughs> Uh, 640 Bill Handel here. It is a uh, Tuesday morning, and some of the big stories that we are uh, covering is uh, the uh, Michael Cohen uh, issue, and it's Cohen's legal team and his connection with Sean Hannity, a big story with Starbucks, and we are waiting right now for Mr. James Comey to join us. And as I said, do you think he'd be at all offended if I called him uh, Slim Jim? Or Jimmy Boy, probably not, and I won't be doing that. And I've been promoting that he's coming on, and already, I mean, we sent that out on, uh, we tweeted out uh, that information or the fact that I'm interviewing him. And the tweets that are coming back are just insane. There are many, many people that are very upset uh, and will continue to be so. I mean, we've just started. And uh, these are, I think, Trumpists, uh, the way it is sounding, uh, who are really upset. Just for the record, incidentally, people are going, oh, he's just doing interviews to sell a book. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And that's how it works. You sign a book contract. You have to promote the book. Otherwise, you don't sign a contract. And this is what happens. People get... Uh, this kind of notoriety when there is something huge in the news. So there is a book out of this, and there are speaking engagement out of this. For those of you folks that are upset about former presidents, by the way, uh, guess what? Ronald Reagan, after he left the presidency, did you know he got $2.5 million for one speech in Japan? Maybe it was two. That's what former presidents do. That's what people who make big news do when they have a national story. 
They write a book, and that's the American way. They write a book and then promote the book, and they have no choice. And so what's happening is, I mean, do I have an exclusive with James Comey? Well, not particularly. I mean, it's wonderful that uh, he agreed to be here on KFI because, as you can imagine, every single radio, television station, newspaper, magazine has been going after James Comey for an interview subsequent to the book. I mean, just gone completely crazy. And we got and we 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 got him. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, there's going to be two parts of this interview. One I'm going to do as soon as we reach him. And the other is he's going to be on Gary and Shannon. Also this morning at 1030. So you'll have two hits to James Comey. And I was asking people that I know, what what questions would you like to ask James Comey? And I have not yet really formulated my questions because I tend to do things pretty spontaneously. I'm not a big uh, note taker saying, okay, question number one, question number two. But uh, certainly people want to know one of the big issues is uh, his issue with Hillary that twice He came out and talked about the FBI investigation uh, once in July of last year in which he said she's under investigation and uh, they found no wrongdoing. Now, she had already announced for the presidency. She was campaigning. And so two issues with that one. We did an investigation. There is no wrongdoing, although she's sloppy and the way she handled those emails uh, were sloppy and negligent now come on really an fbi director saying that and then the second time around when uh 11 days before the election out came his statement that again the investigation had opened up relative to the emails and that had to do with the anthony weiner uh laptop issue because anthony weiner as you know was married to huma abedin who was the closest person, excuse me, to uh, Hillary Clinton. I mean, sort of a right-hand person, to say the least, was involved with Hillary and have been for years and years. And so Anthony Weiner's emails, which they were looking for inappropriate, I think they were even looking for child pornography, if I'm not mistaken. They were looking for photos of him with uh, teenagers, and they kept on looking. And so that was a legitimate taking of his computer. And, of course... He talks to his wife on that computer. They went back and forth. And you know that Hillary was mentioned in that computer. She actually was collateral damage, if you were. And that's in quotes. She was collateral damage. And he came out and said, we've reopened the investigation as to the emails of uh, Hillary Clinton. And this was Anthony Weiner's emails. And then came out and said, just before the election, uh, okay, uh, we found nothing. In the meantime, the needle had already moved, and John Thomas explains to us on a regular basis uh, how once you get moving, once critical mass has hit, it is virtually impossible to go the other way. And it had already happened. And uh, what a perfect storm of Hillary and many people uh, blame uh, James Comey on both sides, incidentally. This man is universally hated by liberals, Democrats, Republicans, Trumpists, moderate Republicans. And now by you, because uh, we're in touch with ABC and they're trying to find him. And the two-way, the person who's their two-way coordinator, that would be the person who would make sure that he calls in. 
stepped out. I will. You now. I think the narrative should be that it'll he's be a fired. false narrative. No, the narrative should be that he heard you call him Slim Jim and decided not to talk to you. Yes. Although that's not apparently so what happened. I, here's I think what we're going to do as we await uh, James Comey because obviously we're running uh, uh, we're running pretty late. Uh, and incidentally, I want to quash the rumor right now. It is fake news that I've been promoting this, and we never even were close to having James Comey as an interviewee. I've made all of this up. No, no that's not. No, that, up. that that's, is not what's happening. I'm just saying that is not. I just don't want to be accused of that. All right. Uh, and by the way, we are waiting for James Comey. And there, can you imagine? They can't find him. And then the person. Well, it's the per, it's the person who is at in, ABC News. They call them their two way coordinator. That's the person who, if the guest doesn't call in, rousts them. That person stepped out according to the person who answers their hotline over isn't there. that special so uh here is so, what i think we're going to do we'll take an early break and then whenever james comey we just co- come back we'll and then- come right back to him it basically becomes breaking news or we just go to james comey and hopefully the coordinator uh comes back from the bathroom or going to a uh, starbucks uh I- i'm hoping that uh, that person isn't even buying anything at starbucks and is being asked to leave. I mean, right now. Well, no, then they'll get arrested, and then you'll never get Comey. Uh, yeah, that's true. All right, so let's take a break, and as soon as James Comey is able, we're, we're able to connect, we'll do that. In the meantime, there's Jennifer Jen- All right, handle here, KFI AM 640. All right, now we just found out why we didn't connect with James Comey. And that is the screw-up on Comey's side. They miscalendared this. They calendared it for tomorrow, thinking that it was today. Someone made a mistake in the email. So we are scheduled for Comey tomorrow in the 7 o'clock hour, same time. All right, so tomorrow, however, you'll still be able to get uh, listen to uh, James Comey. I think that he is scheduled uh, to go on Gary and Shannon today at 1030. So you'll get you'll get him on Gary and Shannon this morning. And then tomorrow we're going to uh, have the interview. And uh, I would normally say I apologize, but it was not it, it, it was not our screw up. It was over there. It was James Comey people, James Comey's people. No wonder he got fired from pre- by President Trump. Okay. Now, uh, here's your chance to win some cash. Brought to you by uh, Cunning Dental. If you have dental problems, call 888-640-SMILE. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. The winner is notified with a phone call, which you must answer. Like Denman in La Habra did, he won $1,000. Next chance to win, next hour. Now, let's uh, move on a little bit. And again, I want to reiterate uh, that uh, we were scheduled to have uh, Jim Comey at 7 o'clock. There was a screw-up. The Comey people miscalendared it, and they thought that tomorrow is today. And so we're going to go ahead and follow their lead, and we're scheduled again for tomorrow. At 7 o'clock. All right. Uh, There is an issue that's been going on. And if you've been living in the city of the angels, and and it's not just Los Angeles. 
And that is the fight between street vendors. You know, I have those little carts, sell hot dogs and fruit and uh, whatever else they sell. And they're on the sidewalk, either in front of or down the street from the brick and mortar businesses. And there is an ongoing fight, and there have been or has been for years. Of course, the ACLU, of course, and uh, the other uh, pro-street vendor activists are saying they have a right to sell on the street. As a matter of fact, uh, they have a right to get the permits. One thing that the courts have said is you is the city has the right to permit people. Uh, these vendors, the city has the right to limit how many are on the sidewalk. The city has a right to uh, give them a, a certain footage. Uh, can't be right in front of the front door, for example, of a business. So you have to walk around. So the city has a right to regulate. And now you have the ACLU saying, well, any one of those regulations is a violation of their right, their commercial right. And the people who are in the brick-and-mortar stores who pay rent, who pay taxes, because I'm willing to bet when you give the fruit guy three bucks, he doesn't declare it, who have a real business that have to have insurance, And you've got a guy down the street who is selling products. Now, if there's no conflict, obviously, if there's a hardware store and you have a guy down the street uh, selling fruit or ice cream, I don't see much of a conflict. But when there is, who wins? Well, the city, here's here's a compromise the city made, and that's what the compromise is. I guess uh, if both sides have an argument, and that is uh, the businesses we'll get a chance to oppose vendors planning to set up shop on adjacent sidewalks, uh, but would not be able to turn them out outright. New city regulations. So we'll take the input of the brick-and-mortar stores when deciding whether or not someone gets a permit. And who do you go with on that one? So you have... Someone who is probably illegal, that's my guess, Uh, and maybe I'm speculating here who's running the card. Uh, Maybe not. Maybe I'm just making that assumption because I assume everybody in uh, this city is illegal. Right, Jennifer? I have to look at your passport. Oh, no. You already, uh, you had to prove your citizenship before coming to work here, didn't you? I had to give a birth certificate, yeah. Yeah, and I had to whip out my passport because my birth certificate doesn't do very much because no one reads Portuguese around here. (laughs) And so... You've got those people, I'm talking about the people that are vendors, and what are they doing? They're trying to make a living. You make no money. You're, you know, how much can you make? $30, $40 a day on on a good day. That's from my understanding. And so your heart has to go out to those folks. And it's convenient as hell. You ever had a hot dog? From From, a vendor? Yeah, they're great. New York, it's every corner. But yeah, there's one there's one right next to my office now when I pull into the driveway at the surrogacy center and it's a guy selling fruit. Yeah. I haven't seen Mr. Fruit before. And that's only been going on for uh, a couple of weeks. And they do a nice job cutting up the pineapple in those neat shapes and like the agua fresca and yeah. stuff. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that's it's good. It's good stuff and then yeah. and then you uh, you go to the drugstore just down the street because it's instant guaranteed di- diarrhea. No, 
Uh, no. Maybe I went to the wrong ones. Thank you, yeah. And then you have the brick and mortars. And they're, look at the fight that's going on. So the city's trying to do some kind of compromise. And maybe it is no conflict. Maybe it is a street corner. I'm talking about when issuing a permit. And at least they have a permit issue. Because it used to be they were just on the street. There's a place just down the street from my office. And it's just right there on the sidewalk, right off on the street, next to a park. And there's the guy selling the hot dogs. But no one's ever there. In New York, there's usually a line. Have you ever actually seen a group of people in front of one of those stands? I never have. No, you're, I never thought about it. But you're right. In New York, you have to stand there for a little bit to get your hot dog or whatever. But here, yeah, usually you just walk right up. Yeah. You're the it's, only one. And yeah, you're the only one. So I don't know how they make a living. Anyway, there's the compromise, and it makes a lot of sense. All right, uh, let's move over to homeless. I know why, though, really fast. Do you know why? Because New York, everybody walks. Here we drive. Total difference. Makes sense. There you go. Makes sense. Solving problems. Uh, excellent. That's why you're here. That's why you get paid <laughs> the big bucks. Okay, uh, so how is the mayor uh, going to undo not in my backyard when it deals with the homeless? He actually has an idea. Aha! He's actually come up with something that might work. KFI AM 640... KFI Handle here on a Tuesday morning and a fair amount to cover today. Uh, some news. Uh, well, all four bodies of that missing Valencia family have been, have been found in NorCal River, the flooded river. And a story we're going to do in a few minutes uh, about Starbucks and the arrest of two black men in Philadelphia and a local story uh, about a uh, bathroom in, uh, in Torrance with a, an African-American. All right, so uh, let's visit uh, the entire NIMBY issue, not in my backyard, when it comes to the homeless. If you remember what happened in Orange County when they cleaned out uh, the riverbed, the Santa Ana Riverbed, uh, the Orange County supervisors voted to set up temporary homeless shelters next to uh, three different neighborhoods, and the neighborhoods went berserk, and uh, the Orange County supervisors backed down. And now they're still hustling to uh, give them permanent shelter and figuring out temporary shelter. I think they have something done uh, temporarily. But uh, what's happening in the city of Los Angeles, uh, the mayor in his state of the city speech, and this was uh, yesterday, he's trying to figure out a way to do the same thing. How do I get temporary homeless shelters? Tents, actually, that's temporary, but just figure out a way Uh, They can clean out these encampments, which is making life miserable for everybody, and figure out a central place or several central places. Well, frankly, nobody wants them. There isn't a city that I can think of that is open arms. Santa Monica, maybe, but I I haven't heard of that. Maybe San Francisco. Open arms and say, give me your tired, your wretched, your homeless, uh, your syringe-packing folks who are prepared to live here. Nobody wants them. So what is? here's what Garcetti did. If you, city, insert name of neighborhood here, uh, are prepared to allow these tents, these temporary shelters, tents with portable toilets and some facilities, et cetera, what we'll give you back is additional city cleaning crews, police services, 
and just make your lives easier. Here's more police. Here, we'll clean everything up in your city. I mean, outside of uh, the tents. And I can't wait for these cities to jump on this one. Because I'm sure that your neighborhood would want these folks. Now, this is not private property. In this case, they're talking about one city-owned parking lot. And if it's, I guess if it's far enough away from a residence, but even if you have a business. So let's say you work in an industrial park. And uh, the corner parking lot, even assuming that there's no parking in that area. There are plenty of industrial lots. There are plenty of uh, these industrial buildings with huge, huge parking areas that corners of them are never used. And so the city is saying, let's put them up there. Or let's put them on city-owned lots. But here's the problem that comes with that. You've got a group of homeless people. The garbage starts piling up immediately, and the city goes, oh, well, uh, we can clean that up on a daily basis. Okay, you have a bunch of mentally ill people that are milling about, begging, right? We'll work for food signs. And do they get near the front door? And what is it like to have uh, a community of tents anywhere near where you work? Nobody wants these folks. Nobody. And so uh, is there an answer? Uh, Yeah, go to El Toro Air Force Base, outlying areas where there's no one around. But then you have to do a lot of building. But then again, see, then the ACLU comes in. And it says these people don't have a chance to look for work. Effectively, what you're putting them in is in detention centers. None of this is an easy answer. I'll tell you, the easiest answer is no. Nobody, I'm not interested. Because the problem with these tent cities or the cardboard box, refrigerator boxes are very big, you know that. Uh You can have uh, dining areas, several bedrooms. Uh, You can have a living room inside. I've seen some pretty impressive refrigerator box homes. Of course, a little tougher when it rains. Uh, They tend to get a little soggy, but uh, they're still pretty impressive. And what happens is it's not just the homeless. It's what happens around the homeless. The garbage, the sex, the, the, the prostitution, the drug usage. The 30% of mentally ill people, right? It's like the walking dead. You know, the zombies, the people that are all drugged up. It's tough. Now, that's maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit. Wow, Handel's being a little hyperbolic. Uh, Okay, maybe. But still, uh, you know, do you want them? No. So they have a mess on their hands. And while that's going on, uh, even Garcetti said, and they're throwing money, by the way, at this. I mean throwing money in the hundreds of millions of dollars here in the city. I think uh, that the budget this year is triple that of what, what it was last year uh, to help the homeless. Because obviously that has become the biggest story out there, certainly locally. So no easy answers here. None. Not a one. All right, coming up, the Starbucks controversy. Two sides to that one, too. 
what do you do with this? And the answer is, someone's going to lose big time. This is KFI AM 640. KFI AM uh, 640, Bill Handel here. And uh, welcome on a uh, Tuesday. Some of the big stories we're covering is uh, the connection between Michael Cohen and Sean Hannity. That's a big one. And uh, the Valencia family, unfortunately, all four bodies of the Valencia family uh, found in the flooded NorCal River, uh, the van that went into the river. Uh, That one's a heartbreaker. All right. Now, uh, back, uh, when was this? In uh, Philadelphia, where uh, it was... uh, what just a, a little while ago, a couple of months ago, maybe uh, there were two uh, black men who were arrested at a Philadelphia Starbucks. Uh, they asked to use the restroom and were told, uh, if you're not a customer, you can't use it. And they were not very happy, obviously. And that uh, became big news. And as a matter of fact, uh, the Starbucks CEO, Kevin Johnson, uh, met with them and uh, said, uh, this is unconscionable. We apologize. This won't happen. Well, it sort of happened uh, again. This is Southern California in Torrance. Uh, an African-American asks if he can use the restroom. And he said, I'm going to buy something. Can I use the bathroom? No, you can't. Now, I can see the reasons why Starbucks would do this, and I'll explain to you in a moment uh, why there's two sides to this coin. There really is. However, according to this story, there was a white man who had uh, also said he was going to buy something, and he was allowed entrance to the restroom. And the African-American said, why? And we're not talking about him screaming or anything, just why are you doing this? And the police was called, and he said uh, to management, why are you doing this? They called uh, security, and the police showed up, and there were no arrests. He was very calm about it, and it was all videoed. And uh, people going, that's unconscionable. The unconscionable part about this is the fact that a white was allowed to go in the restroom, and an African-American was not. That I have no issue with being unconscionable. However, let's talk about the other side of this, particularly when it comes to Starbucks. One of the things that Starbucks does is let people sort of hang there. You buy your coffee and uh, you sit down and uh, you're at your computer. People are there for hours at a time. And that's just simply the business model Starbucks has. And if you try, if you just walk in and go use the restroom and you can do that at fast food establishments saying I'd like to use the restroom, and they'll say you have to be a customer, you have to buy, although I've never had a problem asking for a key, even walking in the door, because I happen to be uh, a white guy, and I happen to be, you know, my 60s, and uh, obviously I'm not going to be a threat to anybody. But what happens if, uh, if a store is mandated by law or by policy that anybody who says I'd like to use the restroom goes ahead and uses the restroom. Do you discriminate against homeless people? I I want to, you know, I worked at a Starbucks yep. back in uh, 2000. And one of the issues that we had was we were right in downtown San Jose and there weren't very many other places around. 
And a lot of homeless people used to come in and use the bathroom to bathe. And they would be in there for 10, 15 minutes at a time. And customers then couldn't right. use the bathroom and that's because the problem. they were in there. So who wins that battle? Is it the store and customers? And if, if homeless people are walking in and out because they know they can use that restroom. And by the way, there aren't other restrooms to use. Right. I mean, it I works. get it. If right. you're homeless, where are you right. going to go? I mean, I'd rather have them go into a bathroom than just go ahead and do their business out on the street. But what does it do with the customers at the store? What does it do to uh, the fact that uh, are you going to go into a Starbucks that has homeless people going back and forth in the bathroom? I'm not going to. And we would have to close it after the homeless person went in there. No, because there were like three or four of them that would come in a lot. Cl- and you'd have to clean it up? Well, because they'd bathe in there. So the place would just be water uh, everywhere and we'd have to clean it because the floors were so slick and everything. And and just, I mean, that I think is, that's taking it to an extreme because that one, no one's going to argue that they can't do this. But how about just using the restroom? How about just, and, and smelling to high heaven. I mean, homeless people don't bathe. And they don't smell very good. And so who's going to win that? Well, if you have a store that says, well, we have to treat our customers as a first priority versus the ACLU suing, saying anybody can, if it's a public restroom, anybody can use it. And you have to give them a key because they have a right to use your restroom. And do you, uh, can you force them to be customers? I have never had a problem when the policy ever, when the policy was you have to buy something. I just do. I have to use the restroom. That's their policy. I'm not going to get into that fight. So I'll, on the way into the restroom, I'll go, can I have the key? And you have to buy something. Okay. You know what? Uh, Let me have a Coke. Hold the Coke. All right. We're done. I'll pay my two bucks to walk in and deal with it. But then I have $2, don't I? So, which, which side are you on? As much as I appreciate the need for the homeless to relieve themselves, I mean, that, that, that's going to preclude a lot of customers from going into Starbucks and dealing with it. And even having portable toilets outside or near any of these businesses, because again... Uh, the mess that's left, you know, the milling about. I mean, it's just, yeah, there's never an easy answer for this. It's going to be the ongoing fight between the homeless and the rest of us. That's what this is about. All right, coming up, Tactical Tuesday with uh, Brian Suits. Uh, well, you think we have a lot to talk about Syria, for example? There are a couple things there. KFI AM 640. What have we got here? A comedian. <laughs> you little scumbag. I've got your name. I've got your ass. And this is uh, KFI Handle here on a uh, Tuesday. And a uh, lot, lot to talk about. Just a real quick aside. Uh, uh, James Comey is going to appear tomorrow with us. Originally, it was scheduled for 7 o'clock, but there was a scheduling screw-up on their side. They somehow calendared tomorrow instead of today and confirmed today. So he is going to be on Gary and Shannon this morning at 1030, unless uh, they somehow confuse uh, uh, April with uh, or March with uh, December. Uh, we'll 
find out at 1030, won't we? All right. Uh, Brian Suits, Tactical Tuesday. Brian heard uh, every Saturday, 10 to midnight here on KFI and uh, Sunday, 8 to 10. Uh, Brian, I want to go right into uh, the attack on Syria by the United States and France and England. And as uh, the world is making this huge deal and they took out three of these uh, centers, research centers, uh, storage uh, facilities of, of, of weapon, chemical weapon, I don't understand the big deal uh, for a couple of reasons. Number one, no one bitches and moans about cluster bombs, barrel bombs, wiping out uh targeted hospitals, uh, taking out schools. Uh, but this one crossed the line. Uh, you want to explain that, please? Well, it, and we have to go back 100 years. You know, the aftermath of World War One was still very fresh in everyone's memory at the next uh, Geneva Convention. And so chemical weapons, which had a horrendous effect on uh, on soldiers in World War One, including my own grandpa uh, and including Adolf Hitler, in World War II, there was never any serious consideration, even as the Nazis were down to their last blocks of Berlin, no one ever seriously even considered using chemical weapons again. Uh, but, but in the decades since, you know, we've kind of forgotten that there, that there are some weapons are just flat out, uh, you know, uglier than others. And, and, uh, and, and, and that's the thing I've been talking about, this hypocrisy for seven years, that Assad can do incendiary cluster bombs on an elementary school or a hospital for the express purpose of terrorizing the population and killing doctors. And people don't complain that much, but you, you use gas and you cross the line. Right. You know, that's just the way it is. Yeah, but in terms of crossing the line, I mean, the, conven- uh, the uh, Geneva Convention is not just one paragraph. I mean, it goes on for pages and pages. Where is the paragraph that says you can't attack uh, buildings that have a big red cross on them uh, medical facilities you have to leave alone, according to the convention, as opposed to, boy, that's a nice target. They've already put the big X as a target for us. Yeah, that's actually before chemical weapons and the Geneva Conventions. But it also, and this is, believe, believe it or not, the Russians use this loophole. It, uh, hospitals have an obligation to mark themselves as hospitals, and the Syrian hospitals don't do that because the Russians use it as a, uh, as a targeting mark. Um, and so the Russians, now they say, well, we didn't know anything was a hospital. It was a collateral damage and we didn't target the hospital. They know what a hospital is. They, they, they have people on the ground, but, but they, so anyway, the people, the rebels in the hospital stopped marking themselves because the Russians were using those marks actually as targeting. And in terms of uh, the fact you've got three of these facilities that have been bombed, and I've been hearing uh, the pundits say uh, it's, uh, Assad still has plenty of uh, chemical weapons uh, sort of around the building. Actually, all you need is one good storage shed uh, and uh, you load it up with chemical weapons and that's enough to take out 2,000, 3,000 people. So uh, in, in reality, does this do anything? Because, oh, my God, look, we bombed. It was proportional and we've degraded his ability uh, to deal with this. Your comment. Well, so that's the point of targeting is what's my effect going to be? And we said strategically, the president said, and the Joint Chiefs said, okay, last year we didn't deter him from using them again. This time he has to suffer a real loss uh, and then he will be deterred. And and it was so choreographed. You, you'll notice there were no Syrian casualties. There were no Russian casualties. But we did in the span of 30 seconds 
about 71 cruise missiles impacted simul you know, virtually simultaneously on that research and manufacturing facility. And the intent is that Assad is so impressed and overwhelmed by the loss of that facility in the blink of an eye that he'll say, okay, it's not worth using, the, uh, using it again. Or he'll say, okay, we have to go underground a little deeper because they knew that. They, they knew where that place was. So the, it, we'll see, and that's the thing is we can't see in a month. We have to see in six months. But in, in all likelihood, he, he's winning without the chemical weapons, and probably Putin has told him, you know what, that's more trouble than it's worth. You made me look pretty, uh, uh, pretty impotent. Um, and because the Russians didn't even uh, energize their radar, they 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 talked a big game about yeah oh, we're because they had, these missiles. they had said they're going to shoot down do the it. missiles and they said they would even shoot down armed aircraft, U.S. armed aircraft that were unloading the missiles. Yeah, the two B ones and they which never entered Syrian airspace. Of course, the U.S. Navy ships are fifty miles off of Syria uh, and the whole thing. And so in the end, the Russians don't like the way this makes them look. Because obviously, every, they're in it for them. They really don't care about their allies. But they allowed, you know, last Sunday or Sunday before last, they allowed a bunch of Iranians to die. Uh, and then this time they said they were going to defend Damascus. They did not. And so the, Putin doesn't like the way he comes off on this. And, and uh, so he's, he, that really, ultimately, the effect is secondary. It's not just on Assad. It's on Putin. And it's also on North Korea. So Putin has learned not to look stupid. And, uh, I'm, you know, one of the things uh, that being mentioned is that he learned a lesson. Assad now understands that we can quickly go in and we can decimate uh, whatever we want. Uh, he understands that we can obliterate the presidential palace in 12 seconds. Uh, and is he genuinely afraid? Does he is, is there any fear that this is instilled? Uh, only his actions will answer that. And I, I think, he, you know, discretion being the better part of valor, he's going to tell his military, yeah, okay, no more of these chemical weapons because it's sure they spent $200 million, but they have the money to spend. I don't. I don't want to lose a, a palace or a facility. Let's just move on and let's kill those five-year-olds with cluster bombs like we were. Yeah, and then uh, you can do that with impunity. Uh, and by the way, of course, it worked. They got Duma. Uh, the yeah, Russians. The, yeah, the the All terrorists, right. the, the the rebels, whatever. Uh, they they left. They they got on buses that Assad provided, and they got out of there. Right, crazy, isn't it? All right. Uh, here's what we're gonna do: we're gonna come back and uh, talk about some inside baseball with the National Guard uh, that you have relative to going to the border and helping out uh, the Border Patrol. We're talking about California National Guard and plenty more to talk about. And right after the break. Your chance to win a thousand dollars. If you <laughs> nicely done. If you need dental implants, call Cunning Dental. Keep that by the way for a promo, would you, John? If you need dental implants, call Cunning Dental for a free exam. Call eight 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 six forty Smile. Jennifer. handle here it is a uh, tuesday uh, a whole lot going on as usual uh, the two the big stories that we're covering uh michael cohen uh, his legal team and the connection with sean hannity uh starbucks we did that story we'll continue uh following up on that a black man not being able to use the bathroom in torrance and that's become a national story and here's your chance to win some money your shot at one thousand dollars now 
Text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's money to 200-200. They notify the winner by calling them. You have to pick up that call. Joyce and Artesia did, and she is $1,000 richer. Your next chance to win next hour. All right, uh, back you go. Brian Suits with Tactical Tuesday. Uh, Brian heard uh, Sunday, Saturday and Sundays here. Uh, had a lot of weird noise coming from your side, Brian, uh, the the connection. And uh, really? it's, yeah, yeah, that's all right. It happens. Uh, from uh, 10 to uh, midnight on Saturday, 8 to 10 on Sunday. All right, uh, big story about the National Guard. Uh, California National Guard, uh, There, it was, uh, the governor was equivocal about whether to send, whether to not send, pursuant to Donald Trump's request and i uh, said okay but i'm not going to do what you want me to do and then but i thought he was going to do and he provided and i i have no idea of what uh, the national guard is is not doing is it helping with the border patrol specifically and then you have some inside baseball regarding the national guard anyway uh and remember trump tweeted out a thank you and he called him jerry he didn't even say Governor Brown. He said Jerry. Jerry's a good man. When uh, when, when Brown on Thursday uh, released that statement saying, well, okay, after long discussion, we're going to go ahead and, uh, you know, provide 400 California Army Guard guys to the mission. But we won't be rounding up women and children or building walls, which, by the way, never was the mission. Uh, we won't be enforcing federal immigration law, which constitutionally the military can't do anyway. So he had a bunch of straw men. Uh, and so, but Trump thought, well, I, he's he's given in though, you know, he'll do this. Well, as it turns out, here's the little trick that Jerry Brown is playing. Uh, California has a, a several decades old counter drug program and it's statewide. And the state is divided up into a whole bunch of different regions. Uh, there's Northwest, Northeast, Modoc County and all that, et cetera, right? So what he's done is he's called up uh, 400 California Army Guard troops but they've distributed them evenly throughout the state. So the intent of putting guard people on the border specifically to assist border patrol by driving detainees or manning det- detention centers, Brown is, is gonna go ahead and take the federal money and he's going to, uh, he's, he's going to specifically not fulfill that mission. And he, and he can do that legally, correct? Well, he can until the Pentagon federalizes those troops. You know, he can think he can. He, he's, uh, you know, for the, for the Pentagon, and for presidential authority, when they talk to a governor, they basically say, look, we can do it easy or we can do it real easy. And easy is you just fulfill the mission that we're asking. Real easy is the Pentagon sends a far different kind of letter to Sacramento uh, saying you're going to want to read the fine print. Those are now federal troops. Yep. Um, and, and they can do that. And if th- this guy's tweaked Trump's nose and when Trump finally realizes it, when someone explains to him what's happened, he's not going to be real happy. All right, one real quick one uh, before we bail out of here, and that is uh, this is the cyber war uh, between Russia and effectively the Western world. And we keep hearing uh, from the experts, uh, we have to be careful. Uh, The next war is going to be a cyber war. We have to be prepared for the next cyber war. Aren't we there right now? Uh, There's low-level conflict happening between Russia and, and Ukraine. Russia turns off Ukrainian uh, you know, infrastructure and electrical grid and utilities all the time. They're practicing for SoCal Edison. You know, they're practicing for Con Ed right. in New York. So that's what they mean by war. We're talking about shutting down infrastructure. But the stuff that they're doing now, uh, get stealing emails, getting involved, uh, 
uh, with companies, et cetera. That's the, as far as the Pentagon and authorities are concerned, that's not really war. Are those just skirmishes? That's yeah, that's spying. You know, that's espionage, industrial espionage. We spy on Airbus and Russia spies on Lockheed. Uh, you know, uh, um, that's what that is. But that's a precursor. That's laying the groundwork for a future conflict. So you're not unprepared. But we'll be if we're ever at war with Russia or China, we won't know it for a week. But we will notice that the power is dimming down, or the dams uh, aren't working, or uh, the the blue line is getting shut down. Things like that, and no one will put it together that it's actually a concerted campaign. And they have the technology to do that right now if they want, correct? Yeah, yeah they have. Yeah, they've demonstrated that um, uh, intentionally and unintentionally. All right. And uh, the U.S. government doesn't like talking about that because most people like you and me would say, uh, all that money and, and you can't do anything about this crap? Right, crazy. All right, Brian, thank you greatly. You want, want to hear me cough again? Oh, please. It was just, it was tremendous. Uh, believe me, that's a promo that's going to be on KFI for the rest of our lives. You know that, don't you? Excellent. Yes. Yep. I had a, had a snail darter in my throat. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's very funny, actually. Thank that you. Was, that's very funny. All right. Uh, coming up, Handle on the News, late edition, right here on KFI. And there's uh, Jennifer Jones Lee. Handle on the News. Handle on the News. You can use this on your broadcast. Handle, you're an idiot. You're such an ass. Take care. KFI Handle here on a Tuesday. Some of the top stories that we are covering. Uh, Michael Cohen, uh, what's going on with that? As a matter of fact, I'll cover that at the top of the hour. The Starbucks uh, story, which uh, is, well, uh, if you happen to be poor and homeless or you happen to be African-American, I'm willing to bet you're now going to be able to use the restroom uh, with complete impunity uh, because it was uh, tough across the board for all of those folks. All right. Uh, and then uh, we had a little bit of mix-up today uh, with James Comey. We're supposed to—I was supposed to interview him at uh, seven o'clock, and uh, there was some kind of a, a mix-up in terms of calendaring. That side screwed up. Uh, their side screwed up. So uh, James Comey is going to be here tomorrow at seven o'clock, and uh, on uh, Gary and Shannon uh, this morning at ten thirty. All right, guys, let's do it. Handle on the news, late edition. Jennifer Jones, Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. And lead story. All right. Uh, This issue of the sanctuary city, state, county. It's very nice. Is uh, breaking down on anti and pro. You have cities like Los Alamitos uh, screaming, we're never going to cooperate with the feds. You have counties like Orange County saying we will when it comes to the whole sanctuary issue. uh, the city-state uh, issue. I love the way it's going both sides. Now, the city saying no, well, I guess they theoretically could. My favorite one was, I think, San Francisco. What a shocker. Or was it Oakland many years ago when they declared themselves an anti-nuclear zone? Wasn't that Berkeley? Uh, Berkeley, Berkeley think, right. Yeah. And they said, we will not let uh, any material, nuclear weapons, uh, go down our streets. In the city. First of also, all, also you couldn't get an X-ray in Berkeley. Yeah, that's true, <laughs> and that was hilarious because first of all, the feds don't share that information. When they're rolling a nuclear weapon down the street, uh, they don't call up the city and go, "Hey, guess what we're doing." Also, I'd love to see them try to stop the feds from bringing a nuclear weapon. And so uh, we're seeing this on both sides. 
the and uh, there was a uh, the vote was four to one uh, in favor of the approval of the anti uh, government uh, the ordinance the anti uh, sanctuary law and the one council person said you know God help us if the federal government actually sues us it'll break the city it'll just break us. And you're willing to take a well, chance. Well, they don't have to worry about being Or the state sued. government. It would no, be the, the state, state government. that would it'd sue be, Los Alamitos. Right, uh, Javier Becerra, yeah. yeah. He would sue, and they're saying, once the state, we're on the radar for a lawsuit, Except that the, Javier Becerra's got his hands full suing the federal government and being sued by the federal government. I so think, he may not have time I don't think he cares. for little old Los Alamitos. I don't think he cares, because it's a question of making an example. Well, he's going to have to sue a bunch of these cities yep. and counties. But he consolidates that. everybody. And all that happens is you have to actually serve uh, the cities. After that, it's up to them to start defending. Mm. Mm. Well, can't they just join the federal lawsuit against the state and consolidate the entire chain of litigation uh, they into might. one so, massive? It could be. It could event. be. But, and who becomes a lead counsel? Yeah, I don't know. They, you know, fight they start over that, fighting. Right? Yes. Yeah. Well, there's a, a SoCal news group that is asking for your help and might have to go nonprofit. So this includes Orange County Register, LA Daily News, and it's got a new owner, Digital First Media, and it's saying that because of steep cuts that the newsrooms just have been gutted. Right. So uh, we all get together. We do effectively a crowdfunding and we buy it. Uh, And uh, because and of course, if they buy it. Uh, as far as uh, the government or the Republicans, this becomes the Orange County fake register and the daily fake news, mm-hmm. just the daily fake. And it's when's the last time a nonprofit bought up a chain of newspapers? I don't think so. I, I, can't, I, can't, I remember. can't think I remember, of it. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to give money to that? I'm not. No. Well, the jury will hear. About Bill Cosby giving women quaaludes. The Cosby This was a point of contention, uh, whether or not the evidence, when when Cosby was deposed in the lawsuit with uh, Andrea Constant, he said that he got several prescriptions for quaaludes, but he never took them. He gave them to the ladies. And now now the prosecutors will get to read Cosby's own testimony into the... They should make Cosby read it. I know, that would be hilarious. Uh, That's a little constitutional issue. But uh, the the question I have, and this is what the defense said, he's not being tried for using quaaludes during the course of this crime. He's only being charged, well, only, he's being charged with sexually assaulting her. So to bring up quaaludes when he's not being charged for using quaaludes... I would argue, and I disagree with the judge, that is prejudicial as hell because there's not even a trial on that issue going on. Are you okay with the judge allowing five other people who say they were victims of him that he is not on trial for to testify? Yes, because that goes to the basis of the trial because that has to do with sexual assault. Is the M.O. different enough if he used a different substance on Andrea Constant? Well, Is that different used, enough of an M.O.? No, that you should... no. If, but if there's any substance being used, I don't know if he's being accused of using any substance with Andrea Constant in this sexual abuse trial. Uh, and uh, the way I read it. And if it turns out that there was and the judge is right... And you're saying it's 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 probative and it's not uh, prejudicial. But if there is no issue other than making uh, looking making sure Cosby looks like a, a complete predator, 
uh, and would use drugs, and he didn't in this case. How prejudicial is that? Well, see, there's a dispute because uh, I think Andrea Constance says that Cosby told her that he gave her a Benadryl, and she thinks he gave her something stronger. So there, there's some right, question case, of him giving her something. In, in that case, although would, not, I don't think surreptitiously. I think he, she's not claiming then, he slipped it into a drink. And that is well, but then again, Quaid. But I think he gave yeah, the women. If, he would say, "Here, take this. It'll help you relax." That seemed to be his mo. All right, it's very crazy. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, there's yeah. Well, and the judge uh, ruled in favor of uh, the prosecution plaintiff mm-hmm. on this one. No, actually, it's prosecutor in this one because this isn't a civil case. All right, uh, we're we have another story coming up about uh, sex offenses. We'll do that when we come back. KFI AM six forty. There's Jennifer Jones Lee. KFI handle here, uh, Bill Handle and the Morning Crew. Uh, coming up 10:30 today, uh, it will be uh, interview with James Comey on uh, Gary and Shannon. So that should be a lot of fun. And tomorrow, I think uh, we're scheduled at seven o'clock my interview with uh, Comey. All right, uh, back we go as we finish Handle on the News Late Edition. Jennifer Jones Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. And we were talking about the Bill Cosby sexual assault case, and a lot of instances in that have been about the statute of limitation for all the women who said that Cosby sexually assaulted them. Well, there's one state that wants to remove now the statute of limitations when it comes to sex offenses, and that's Minnesota. Now... Uh, I've got an expert on uh, statute of limitations around the country, but uh, the only statute of limitations that I'm aware of uh, on a state level is murder. That's the only one. The crime that doesn't have one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so this would be the second one, sex offenses. So this one, apparently, in Minnesota, the statute depends on what year the crime occurred or when it was first reported or how old the victim was and whether there's DNA. I mean, this this state sounds screwed up when it comes to this. Well, right period. now there's all... And, and so what they want to do is open it up and say, if you're 75 years old and uh, there was an incident that happened to you when you were 18, uh, you can come back later and uh, go ahead and file a criminal uh, complaint. Although, you know, under those circumstances, everybody's dead. Uh, so that gets a little problematic, but still, uh, it opens it wide up. Again, this is simply, uh, the fallout of, uh, the Me Too movement and the pendulum is swinging, swinging, swinging. And at some point it has to come back. But if you eliminate the statute of limitations for sex offenses, no politician is ever going to say, you know what? It's been a while. Why don't we put one back in? No, I know. You're right. It'll be forever. It now, will be forever. Quick question on this one, though, because this says that if this bill passes, it would give victims an unlimited amount of time to report felony sex crimes starting in August, but they couldn't retroactively change the statute of limitations. Yeah, it's only crimes. from August. Crimes committed from August forward. So we're really not going to worry about it for 10 right, years. Right. And that's what exactly. it starts to really. But it's a, again, it is the premise here. It is uh, the philosophy. And that is. Uh, there will be no limit whatsoever uh, to any of these uh, allegations. That's all. There just won't be a limit. That's uh, that's that's akin to murder. All right. A U.S. district judge has uh, ordered President Trump to not ban transgender troops. Transgender troops are not a huge expense. <laughs> this ban. Uh, anyway, there are several judges w- when. Oh. 
the president announced we're banning all transgender troops. Several federal judges says, ah, no, 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 no. So then you may remember the Trump administration worked it a little bit and said, well, in some cases they can serve. And then they went back to the court and said, look, in some cases, so why don't you dissolve your ruling? And uh, this judge, Marsha Peckman, said, no, not dissolving nothing. You are forbidden from forbidding them. And that is based on a constitutional right. For example, if uh, an administration would go back to saying uh, no more African-Americans or we segregate African-Americans or no women uh, that can serve, which at one point was the case. Well, you can't stop women or African-Americans or Hispanics from serving. You can't do it because that's a constitutional issue. Uh, Normally, the Pentagon has tremendous power to make decisions, uh, the president and the the Pentagon uh, Department of Defense, in terms of how to run the military, unless it, it goes up against the constitutional right. Then that becomes an issue, and that's what this is about. Well, there could be an official end to the war between North and South Korea. Wow. Yeah. Kim Jong-un and South Korean President Moon Jae-in are going to sit down. They are meeting. And uh, they're looking at uh, changing that armistice 50-something years. No. uh, What? How many years uh, later? It ended in 1953. So it's... 1953 times 2018, 60, uh, 65, 112, uh, just 87. I'm not going to get my math. graphing calculator. Yeah, right. I know. Uh, <laughs> and it's going to change from an armistice to an out-and-out peace treaty, I think. I mean, Kim Jong-un is moving towards uh, bringing North Korea into the world, uh, into the community of nations. Why? Uh, because... I guess he must be tired of uh, being a rogue guy. And then and then you have uh, a lot of sanctions that have hit him uh, in North Korea for a long time. And the Chinese, who have been staunch allies in North Korea, are just getting a little sick of it. And they're saying, come on, you know, you're, you're, there's too much here. And so when they lose uh, China to any extent, now they're really all alone. And then what do they do? All right, uh, coming up. Uh, the Hannity-Cohen connection, and I think it's a lot to do about very little. I know that that's the case because CNN was broadcasting this 24-7, and then you know it's for the most part a crock. This is KFI AM 640. I spoke to Sean Hannity. Everybody refuses to call Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity. Nobody calls Sean Hannity. I said the war's a stupid thing. If somebody would call. John Hannity, I spoke to John Hannity. Everybody refuses to call. KFI AM six forty. Bill Handel here, and this is a uh, Tuesday. Uh, some of the big stories that we are covering: uh, the Valencia family. Remember, they were missing into the river. Well, they found all uh, four of them, which is a heart heartbreaker. And uh, Starbucks. Uh, yeah, got uh, black people trying to go to the bathroom at Starbucks and being told, "Ah, uh, no." You have to buy. If you don't buy, you're not a customer. You're not going in. And in one case, there was a video of a white guy going in and not a black. That is problematic. That is an issue. All right. Now, something that is a massive issue that I think uh, too much is being made of this. And that is uh, has to do with uh, Michael Cohen, uh, the uh, of course, the attorney for Donald Trump. Remember, $130,000, Stormy Daniels. Uh, Russian collusion. I mean, there's a lot going on. Well, 
there uh, was a story that came out that Michael Cohen had three clients, not just the president. Who was it? Well, it came out uh, in court, actually, that it's uh, Sean Hannity. Oh, this thing bust wide open. So uh, Wayne has been following this, and uh, there's a lot of minutiae here. And so we want to go into what happened in court, and Wayne does a really good job explaining it. Also, the judge who was involved in that decision, there is a fascinating spin on her. So, uh, Wayne, what happened? Well, what happened is a bad lawyer, Michael Cohen, hires a bad lawyer, apparently, to help him in court. And so they go to court, and they want to keep Sean Hannity's name secret. And Judge Kimberley... Which he is allowed to do. A client always can tell the lawyer, I don't want anybody to know you are my attorney. Uh, That is, it's the uh, attorney-client privilege, not only as to what was said, but the fact that you're my lawyer in the first place. Unless, of course, you're pulled into a major federal criminal investigation like this, and your records are swept up. If there's criminality or the allegation of criminality, that's a different story. And then we're going to go into uh, the entire issue in, in a few minutes about what was swept up yeah so and there's a juicy element here because of course michael cohen represented president now president trump and what did he do what's the most famous thing he's known for doing for trump arranging the hundred and thirty thousand dollar payoff and then he had a second client whose name it just flew out of my head i'm sorry but the most famous thing he's known for doing for that guy is arranging a major payoff over a sexual indiscretion now there's the third mystery client so they go to court, and they're going to have a big hearing about whether he's got to reveal it. And uh, the judge says, you cannot keep this secret in perpetuity. But you can keep it secret between you, me, and the prosecutors. And instead of saying, okay, we'll give you the name, quote, under seal, and no, the press can't see it, nobody will see it, Stephen Ryan, Michael Cohen's lawyer, he keeps arguing about why he shouldn't have to reveal the name at all. And he has really dumb reasons. First, he says, well, the person is a very prominent person. And the courtroom starts, oh, no, 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 no. Then he goes, well, I don't want to reveal the name because nobody would want to be associated with Michael Cohen anymore. Well, that's not That's a good Michael re- Cohen's attorney. Yes. All right. And, but that's not a good reason. And then the third reason is, well, this person called us and said, please, I don't want my name out there. That's enough, incidentally, well, unless unless there is an allegation of criminality. But even then, that shouldn't go public. Right, which the judge said. It doesn't have to go public. Right. You just can't keep it from me and the prosecutors here. So after doing this, the lawyer, Stephen Ryan, remember, the judge has already said we can keep it a secret. And he goes... And he had talked about giving her the name in a sealed envelope. And she said, you know, that might work. We can do that. So then he keeps arguing. And then he goes, well, so do you want me to write the name down or just say it? And the judge goes, well, whatever you want to do. And he goes, all right, it's Sean Hannity. He said it. He didn't have to say it. He could have written it down. And we would not know today that it was Sean Hannity. Now it's it's first of all Kimba Wood is the lawyer and if that name I mean the judge and if that name sounds familiar at all she was nominated to the U.S. Supreme Court and was turned down 
Uh, today, she would have been a U.S. Supreme Court justice, which is just a, a fascinating aside. And then the issue with uh, Sean Hannity yesterday on his radio show said, uh, Michael Cohen really isn't my lawyer. Uh, he, I didn't, I've never paid him, which means nothing, by the way. Uh, I've never uh, signed a retainer agreement, which means nothing, by the way. Uh, we've only had, uh, I've only asked him for advice uh, about real estate. Thank you, attorney-client relationship. That moment, you and I were talking about whether or not uh, just a conversation about anything, you know, in and out Burger, what do you think of that? I think it's the best burger in the world when I go out to Los Angeles. That's not an attorney-client relationship. That you can't keep uh, silent about because that had nothing to do with the representation. Asking for legal advice and it being offered. Well, even asking. It doesn't even have to be offered. That's an attorney-client relationship. Boom. Done. Finished. So Sean Hannity, you go, oh, he was never my lawyer. Yes, he was. Just by the nature of you asking, you don't have to be paid. You don't have to sign a retainer retainer agreement. Uh, Sean Hanny said, I never got a bill. Hey, I have given people legal advice. Now we're not talking about on the radio show where I do it for free and even then I'm overpaid. Uh, that's kind of insanity. But uh, when it comes to the world of third-party reproduction, I've had people to come in who just asked advice and I would sit and say, here's the law. Here's what I think you should do. Never charge them. Well, the thing that of is, charging. That is truly attorney-client relationship. The thing of charging people, you know, the trope in movies and TV is like, hey, give me a dollar. Now I'm your lawyer. Right. right? You, that's you stupid don't, because yeah, don't have to there's be something lawyer. called pro bono. Yeah. A lawyer can represent sure. somebody for free if they yeah. want. Yeah. So that is ridiculous. All right. We're going to come back. And I'm going to talk uh, a few minutes. And Wayne joined us on this one because, again, this is federal. these are federal rules. And that has to do with the evidence that was swept up in uh, the raids. And uh, what does it mean? And how do they protect it? And the judge saying we may even get, and it has to do with the attorney-client relationship. Uh, it has to do with uh, how much of that is going to be introduced into court, if at all, and what the judge can do and what the judge is doing. This is all fascinating stuff. We'll be right back. Uh, this is KFI AM 640, and there is, uh, before we do that, uh, coming up after the break, thank you, as, Al, as Alex throw this in my face, you almost hit my mouth with this sign. Coming up after the break, uh, your chance, I'm going to read this verbatim, your chance to win $1,000 brought to you by Cunning Dental, parentheses, read tag, close parentheses, missing teeth, call Cunning Dental for a free exam, call 888-640-SMILE. Further proof of why you get paid the big bucks. That's true. Go ahead, Jennifer. Come on, be my baby. Come on. 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 Come on, be my baby. KFI handle here. It's a uh, Tuesday with the morning crew. Here's your chance to win some cash. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. If you win, you're going to be notified with a phone call. You need to answer that call. Suzanne in Lancaster answered the call and won $1,000. There's a chance to win every Monday through Friday from 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. 
All right, back we go. Now, uh, I want to continue on with uh, the Michael Cohen relationship with the president, now Sean Hannity, which is very small potatoes. I'll tell you what's very big potatoes, and that has to do when the raid occurred, when the FBI raided uh, Michael Cohen's office, home, and then the hotel room that he uses as an office sometimes. I never quite understood this. but And that means every email they're going to be able to go through. And since he is President Trump's personal lawyer, uh, there is more than, I'm guessing, one or two emails between the president and Michael Cohen, and they swept up everything. Now the argument is going to be, what was attorney-client privilege and what was not? And there is no issue that emails regarding Stormy Daniels, for example, or any of that is, in fact, privileged unless unless the payoff was criminal in any way. And people are saying, oh, it's no big deal. It's only a violation of uh, election law. Hey, that doesn't matter. If it's in violation of a law and there is uh, and there's discussion between him and whoever. Uh, that is that goes to the court and that is not that that is not privileged. And so let's I know you read a lot about this. So uh, Cohen is arguing this is all privileged and uh, you can't take it. And the judge started uh, questioning and arguing. Yeah, well, basically, uh, somebody is going to get a look at all of that material. And it's now a question of who. Michael Cohen and his attorney would have liked it to have been them. Yeah, they would decide what's privileged and what's not. Can, can My you guess, imagine everything is privileged? Right? Can you imagine someone who is the subject of a criminal investigation being allowed to decide what evidence yes. the prosecutor is going to get? And that's why Judge Wood not for one second entertained that idea. But she had a couple of choices. She has, yeah. Um, we've been talking about, you see in the news, the phrase, the taint team. I like to call it a filter team because it makes me giggle less. And this would be, uh, some prosecutors who are not involved in this case at all. They would look at it and they would decide what is kosher to be passed along to the actual prosecutors. But that's a secret, uh, that's a secret committee that does not share that information with anybody. Right. Although the only the problem is that it still means that somebody working for the Department of Justice sees everything. Right. So the other option which I like. There's two other options. What's what? the third one? Special uh, master. Uh special master and the judge doing it herself. Oh, oh yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, let's get the third one first. Okay. You can always give mat- sensitive material to a judge. It's called looking at it in camera. And this would happen a lot in criminal cases sometimes. Where the there'd, judge... There'd, there'd be an argument about yeah. what should be presented or not presented, and the judge would look at it and decide. And you're right. She could do that, although nobody asked her to do it, and she didn't volunteer to do it, I'm assuming, because why in the world does she want to have to go through hundreds, hundreds of thousands <laughs> of pages of stuff? She doesn't want to do it, and I don't blame her. So the so the last option, which I like, is what they call a special master. It's an attorney. It's not a Justice Department attorney. It doesn't even have to be a prosecutor. It doesn't even have to be a, a, a lawyer. An attorney. Well, probably uh, it does. It, it probably needs to be a lawyer, but it doesn't have to be a lawyer that specializes in criminal law. Right. Just any lawyer who gets appointed by the court, so they should not have any bias. They go through all the stuff. And they make the determination right. determine. about what now, gets passed. And that on. is not unusual for a special master to be assigned. And when I talk about not, you don't necessarily have to be a lawyer. 
Uh, for example, let's say there is a very complicated case of maritime law and the judge doesn't have just the expertise. A master will be assigned to determine what is going on and what isn't simply because of the expertise involved. Uh, and so uh, remember, judges are asked to rule on everything in front of uh, that uh, the prosecution or civil cases are put in front of them. So this will be a master, and you're right, this will have to be a lawyer who is somewhat experienced. Only because the subject matter is, is legal what's issue. privileged and not privileged. Right. All right. Uh, we'll see what happens with this one. This is going to be just fantastic. And then Sean Hannity, it's a throwaway. Uh, I mean, just... It, I know. It has it has a tinge of salaciousness just because yeah. it's Sean Hannity, but yeah. I'd be, be very surprised if they find anything that's actually interesting there. Yeah, not even, not even a little bit. All right. Coming up, cool space news with Rod Pyle. There's some cool space news coming up. I just said that. Cool space news with Rod Pyle. Cool space news that's really cool. And Rod happens to be really cool. So it's all cool. Hey, I'm seriously cool. KFI, a, this is why I get paid the big bucks. We've been doing this all morning, haven't we, Jennifer? Jennifer, why don't you take it from here? Okay, we're, get me out of this. I will do that for you. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing. Three, Not because they are easy, two, but because they are hard. One, zero. KFI presents liftoff. We have a liftoff. Cool Space News with Rod Pyle. All right, uh, KFI handle here. It is a uh, Tuesday. And. Uh, See what's going on. Oh, coming up in half an hour, uh, Gary and Shannon, of course, uh, show up. I think they have uh, uh, they have James Comey at ten thirty. Pretty exciting stuff. Tomorrow we'll have James Comey at seven o'clock because he was supposed to come on today, but there was a uh, mix-up with the calendaring with the uh, Comey folks. Uh, also, in half an hour, it's a handle on the law, marginal legal advice. So if you would like some advice, uh, just uh, half an hour from now, just call 877-520-1150. All right. We have cool space news with Rod Pyle. Rod at pilebooks.com and all of his podcasts, uh, Cool Space News. And it goes back uh, quite a ways. I mean, we've been doing this a long time, right, Rod? We have indeed. All right. Uh, so, not- we're, we're, so we go back to uh, the Wright brothers, I think. Actually, no. That's a bad. No, that's a bad analogy. We should go to Robert Goddard. Uh, that's a better analogy. All right. Well, you know, bring up the Wright brothers, though. That does bring one thing to thought, which is we used to talk about years ago <clears throat> how long it was between the time the Wright brothers for the, made their first flight and the time Apollo eleven landed on the moon, and we're very shortly going to be upon the time in which it's about that same distance of years between the time Apollo eleven landed on the moon and today which is kind of stunning when you think about it. Yeah, except uh, the technology hasn't really exploded. Well, it has, but not in the, on the manned uh, uh, area. It's right, certainly right. It's in gotten- terms of the satellite. And that, and by the way, that leads us right into uh, the topic. Good segue, by the way. We couldn't have done oh, it better if we tried. Anytime. All right, here comes Tess. Who, here comes Tess. Yeah, who or what is Tess? Tess is the Transiting Exoplanet Survey Satellite. And it's another space telescope, which has been designed in, in very general terms to go up and replace Kepler, which has been up there since 2009, discovering exoplanets right and left. 
And it, uh, depending whether you look at the confirmed or unconfirmed ones, it's almost up to 6,000 exoplanets. So Kepler's done great work, but as you know, a few years after it was launched, it started having guidance issues, gyroscopes going out and so forth. So it had to just kind of sit and stare in one direction for years at a time. So TESS is designed to pick up that mission, look at closer star systems, and look at both brighter and dimmer stars, and it's going to survey larger slices of the sky much more quickly. So they're expecting, depending on how long it works, you know, they always set a primary mission of a couple of years, and then ex mission extensions after that, which almost always go forward. So they're guessing it might pick up as many as 20,000 more exoplanets. The main thing it's gonna do that's important, besides, of course, discovering them is cool, is identify targets for the Webb, James Webb Space Telescope to look at to do spectral analysis on once it gets up there. And that's when we start seeing what's actually in the atmosphere yeah. and whether or not there might be life. Now, exoplanets are, of course, planets that are in that golden zone around a star system uh, that are rocky planets. Uh, do I have that right? And they may or may not have water. Well, any anything around another star is an exoplanet. So, But, yeah, the ones that we're really interested in are those rocky terrestrial planets that are in that Goldilocks zone that we hope have liquid water, and we want to see things in their atmosphere like nitrogen and so forth that might tell us hey there's there's critters doing things there sorry not nitrogen methane i mean well when are we going to and i don't even know how close the technology is there to actually look at these planets not necessarily with uh visual light uh, i'm not taking pictures but i'm saying uh with enough specificity that we can say yes that planet uh is this big and it does have for example does it have water is there any way to tell with the technology today um they they are very close to that i mean at this point just by looking at the indirect effects on the stars that they're orbiting you can get a pretty good idea of mass and uh diameter and so forth and density so that they're able to do by indirect measurement looking for uh constituents of the atmosphere itself is a little tougher they're able to do a little bit of spectral analysis at this point, but that's really something for uh, the web and beyond to be able to look specifically at what's going on in terms of, of elements in the atmosphere. And then finally, of course, what we want to do someday is be able to image them directly, and that's something that they'll be able to start approaching with the web. And when is the web going up? Well, that's a good question. Uh, we're hoping 2019 or 2020, but the, there's there's some issues going on. They're having trouble. It's got that that sun shade that goes out that looks like a bunch of kites behind it uh, that that protects it from the sun and and keeps it very cold, so it can observe the infrared, which is what it's designed to do, because that's the best place to look in terms of light. And they're having a little trouble getting out to deploy in the time frame that they want it to. So probably about a year and a half. All right, but and this is a one-time go. Uh, this thing explodes uh, off the launch pad, or doesn't uh, hit what's supposed to be, or the uh, the it doesn't deploy in terms of uh, the uh, what, uh, wings. I guess uh, is a way for the power source is going to be. Uh, is going to be a, a power source from the sun? I uh, believe so. All right. that, that's a good question. I haven't looked. But, yeah, it's a one-shot deal. You can't reach it with, with human spaceflight. So if something goes wrong out there uh, on the far side of the lunar orbit, then you're stuck. That's absolutely lovely. All right. So yeah. uh, switching gears, uh, the launch of uh, TESS is uh, going to happen with a, a Falcon 9. And uh, it's... Uh, if Falcon 9s are, uh, is that the safest rocket that you can launch? I mean, is it one of those where there's not a whole lot of difference between that and the French 
uh, rocketry or the Boeing uh, rocketry? Arion. Um At this point, probably the highest, and I haven't looked at Arion for a while, which is the French-European one, but I think one of the highest reliability ratings is uh, United Launch Alliance's Atlas V. It's got like 96%. Uh, Falcon's a little tiny less because they had they've had a fewer flights to amortize it and and b they had a couple of uh, of uh, accidents over the last handful of years but they're really close I and mean, we're talking within a couple of percentage points so yeah it's it's very safe and very reliable and they wouldn't be using it if it wasn't so Tess is going up on that so that's cool that's tomorrow night at least that's the plan out of the Cape but what's even cooler is that you know. Musk's big thing is, yeah, I want to launch rockets. Yeah, I'm working on the big Falcon rocket. All that's great. But I really want to get the parts back so I can use them again and save everybody money, including myself. So as you know, he's flying back the first stages to both barges and to launch site. He's been working on rescuing the fairings as they come down on parachutes so we can reuse those, which are the two, two halves of the nose cone shell. Rumor has it, and he's been doing some tweets to indicate either on this launch or the next couple of launches, they're going to try and fly back the second stage, which has to come back from orbit. So that's a big deal. So if he can get all of that done, then we're talking about a uh, a very low-cost flight relative to uh, what the other companies are doing. Let me go ahead and take a break. We'll be back, and then I have uh, SpaceX and San Pedro and the new GPS Uh, Thank God, maybe it's going to work uh, because <laughs> I they, it always misses the traffic where I am. I'll be right back. Uh, okay. Yeah, thanks. Uh, KFI AM six forty, and there's Jennifer Jones. Lee. Cause I'm having a good time, having a good time. I'm a shooting star leaping through the sky like a tiger defying the laws of gravity. I'm a racing car. Jelly Belly, almost timed it correctly. Not quite. I was just, sorry about that. I was just confirming with uh, Shannon that James Comey is going to be on uh, the Gary and Shannon show, and uh, he is um, at 10.30, I think, this morning. So they'll have him live, which is kind of fun. Tomorrow we'll have James Comey on this show because uh, they screwed up. The Comey people screwed up in terms of days. Uh we had confirmed today, and they had confirmed tomorrow. So uh, tomorrow will be the uh, the great question. And I, we start with, can I call you Jimmy Boy? And I'm sure that very few people have started a conversation with uh, Comey with that one. All right, back we go. Uh, Rod Pyle, let's finish it up. Uh, this is uh, Cool Space News, pilebooks.com, and uh, the Cool Space News podcast, which is heard right here on KFI, all of them, because it's uh, I believe they are archived. All right, uh, Rod SpaceX in San Pedro. Why in God's name has he not moved out of here yet? Isn't that neat? Uh, yeah, and they've got a facil- They've got a big facility in Florida. They've got facilities in Texas. But, uh, you know, he took over that old Northrop facility down at uh, Hawthorne Airport. And he's been working out of there for years. And that's where the big rocket factory is. But to build the big Falcon rocket, which is 340-ish feet by 30 feet in diameter... They started doing that at the Hawthorne plant, but said, you know, we got to be able to ship these to the Cape for launching, at least some of them. And uh, that's not going to be an easy thing to do because they're big. So they decided to go ahead and start building down in San Pedro. So they had some property leased down south of Portsacal 
down that little spit of land that goes down to where those kind of some of those abandoned freight terminals are from the old days. And uh, he had been uh, docking his autonomous recovery barge down there. But this big tent building went up a couple of years ago and I was driving down there for some reason and thought, ooh, that looks interesting. And there's no signage. You, know? no, you have no idea. You, you just see a bunch of Teslas in the parking lot. Right. right? And, you th- and you thought it was a Cirque du Soleil uh, yeah. venue, didn't you? <laughs> well, Cirque du Soleil is space for me. So uh, then come to find out just the other day that they're starting to assemble components of the BFR there. So apparently they have a big mandrel for winding carbon composite hulls and all that. So this thing is being built. And he had said six months ago, I plan to start second quarter of 2018, and here we are, and by gosh, he's doing it. So, Which for Elon Musk, to be on time with anything is a miracle. It is, but you know, when you look at the scale of what he's trying to do, I mean, this thing can launch 330 pounds to low Earth orbit, which is half again as much as a Saturn V. Reusable. Wait, wait, 300, no, no, it has to be more than 330 pounds. You're talking about, what, 30? Uh, sorry, 330,000 <laughs> Right. Pounds. Yeah, yeah I was going, that's not very Thank much. Sputnik weighed more than that. Those decimal points are tricky, aren't they? Right. And, uh, you know, just the technology he's using and, and sinking all these small engines to make a big spacecraft and so forth. I mean, I just, I know I, I kind of gush about this guy, but the fact that he's so far ahead of the pack, and then we just heard the other day, NASA is now saying, oh, you know, we're having some troubles with the mobile launch structure for the SLS, so we're going to probably do four unmanned flights after all, all with the original Block 1 set up. And it's like, does it really have to take 20 years to rebuild the Saturn V? That's a little harsh. But SpaceX is making them look like they're standing still. Yeah, no, I think it's great. I mean, obviously, a lot of us, uh, you know, between the Tesla and even when he did PayPal, I mean, the guy, you're right, he's on a different planet. And it's guys, it's kind of nice to see visionaries like that go to work. Uh, all right, last uh, the, the the last subject I want to cover is uh, the new, uh, really neato GPS system. And I'm very interested in this because uh, what ends up happening with my GPS is sometimes they just miss when there's real traffic, and it really pisses me off. So I'm assuming uh, this will help enormously to help me drive through traffic, right? Not one bit. Oh, but will help navigate from here to the nearest star system if you're interested in that no and, and there are probably people that want to send you there so that might be something to look into but um as you know gps works by triangulating satellite signals they send out little timing pings or clicks and it's able to say okay this one's over there this one's over there this one's over in that direction now i know where i am so somebody got the bright idea of saying hey we could do the same thing with pulsars out in deep space because the pulsar is a collapsed star a, a star that's gone supernova and Everything gets crunched down, so it's just a pack of neutrons, and they send out big blasts of X-rays spinning real fast, so you get this regular signal of X-ray pulses. So they said, you know, if we could triangulate between neutrons, uh, between uh, these, these neutron star signals, these pulsars, we'd be able to, in effect, set up a galactic GPS system because we know where those things are, so this would tell us where we, where we were in relation to, the, to those stars. And they actually put inform- some of that information on the uh, gold records that went on on the Voyager spacecraft in the late 70s to tell the aliens where Earth was. What do you mean? How do, they put, wait a sec, how do they put information on the 70s about GPS system before GPS even came into being? Well, it wasn't GPS. What they did was they said, okay, here's where we are in relation to oh, got it. All right. And they did it with kind of a, a, a binary signal uh, etched okay. out on, this, on those records. So, yeah, it was just an illustration. But it was the same idea, right? So an experiment went up on the space station a couple of years ago called NICER, which is one of those acronyms that we love from NASA, the Neutron Star Interior Composition Explorer. 
and did a very basic experiment to see if they could time out X-ray signals from neutron stars, uh, pulsars, to uh, look, track the location of the space station. And it worked within a few miles, so it needs some adjustment and, and so forth. But the big idea here is when you're traveling out as far as Pluto, uh, which is billions and billions of miles away, or out to other star systems, you're going to have to have a way to navigate. And even at Pluto, radio signals take four and a half hours to reach Earth. Right. So you don't want to be doing that. So if, if you want really good navigation system, you've got inertial guidance, which is just tracking where you've been and extrapolating where you're going. But what you really need is some kind of external signal. So they take star sightings and so forth visually, but this is the best way to go. Thanks, uh, Rod. Thank you, sir. You bet. All right, pilebooks.com and, of course, the podcast right here on KFIAM640 and .com. And uh, Gary, so today... It's uh, Slim Jim Comey. Yes. Did you know that he's a full foot and an inch taller than uh, George Stephanopoulos? Oh, I'm and surprised look, it's only that much. If you look carefully, you can see the booster seat that Stephanopoulos was on. Wow. That's pretty exciting, ABC though. Yeah, 1030 today, uh, former FBI director James Comey is going to be on. He's busy. He's oh, very he's busy. Doing, yeah, he's doing a lot of... Uh, they. The publisher expect you to go out and promote the book. Right. And so I I just don't understand why the big fuss about what he's doing I, in terms of uh, any negative. Maybe, but that doesn't mean that you don't interview a guy right, who, is who is in a the news. current newsmaker. Right, of course. I mean, that's you can make your decisions based on right. the, you know his answers, and et cetera. For a, but. And for a local station, uh, I, I'm, I'm assuming he's not doing too many local stations. Uh, which is pretty neat for us. So that's at 10.30. What else are you covering? Uh, Garcetti's hobos, two things. Number one, we got to make sure we bring the the term hobo back. Of course. Uh, also, uh, a new terror in the skies that actually just happened this morning. A southwest flight had a window blowout, and a woman got halfway sucked out of the plane before they landed in Philly. Oh, that's special. Yeah, that's uh, so we're getting all – that just happened uh, this morning, so we'll get more information and do that in the 11 o'clock hour. Fair enough. And I am taking phone calls, uh, handle on the law, 877-520-1150, 877-520-1150, starting in just a moment. I'm doing it for an hour. Marginal legal advice, 877-520-1150. Have a good interview, by the way, Gary. Thank you, sir. I'll be listening. KFI AM 640.